Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, Stubbins above her, Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Queen start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. For short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in fact, ahead of Manuel and Hirsch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come at her. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! victory. <laughs> And welcome for another week to the Shannon Rollison podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Cox, and joined by the man himself, the man that the podcast is named after for another week, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how are you going, mate? Good, Robbie. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. Today's my first day out of um, out of uh, quarantine or isolation. Now, anyone that's listening to this, if they listen to the one the week before, they will hear... At the end of the podcast, Shannon and I sort of talking about my croakiness and I make a just a silly reference to it's probably COVID. Well, it turns out it was, Shannon. It turns out it was COVID. So I stitched myself up and I've been uh, stuck in the room for, for seven days. So uh, today or this afternoon is my first time out. So looking forward to that. God, what was it like? Yeah, it, look, to be honest, it was a bit more, it was like the flu. It was pretty just man flu type symptoms, you know, like you get a bit of a fever, you need to lay in bed for a while, get a bit shivery. Um, I think it's more so like a roller coaster for me that was a little bit different. Usually with the flu, it kind of hits you a couple of days, you ride it out and then you come good and you sort of move on where I think for me it kind of, um, it came and it went and it came and it went and then other little things started to present themselves like just shortness of breath that didn't happen straight away that sort of came later in in the in the week so yeah it was really it was different but it wasn't anything you couldn't handle that's for sure well, you Tough sound better this week yeah a little bit a little bit that's for sure um i found um for the cure jack daniels was really good jack daniels <laughs> was really good to help sort of get over it so i was pretty uh, i was pretty happy with that now um how's your week been anyway mate don't worry about me and my illness stuck in my room uh yeah pretty good um the guys uh as uh, last week they that had they had a shocker on the thursday morning but um since then sort of turned around and uh pretty good i'm actually giving them the weekend off so um I don't know whether they're just looking forward to that and uh, their spirits are up, so we'll see. So it's the weekend off, was, was that planned or that's just you've had a look at the lay of the land and you've watched how they've trained and you thought um, they should need a bit of a break? or Yeah, I, I sort of thought we haven't had one for a while. Um, so, and then we've got Sydney next week and yeah, we, had, uh, we had a swim meet a couple of weekends ago, so they've been going continuous probably since new south wales champs actually mm. um so i thought i'll give them this weekend off before we go up to the new south wales open next weekend 
Well, I'm sure they're looking forward to it. I'm sure the coach is looking forward to having a bit of more of a relaxing weekend as well. Um, we, we sort of touched on it the last few weeks, and I, I don't know if we got right into it. Maybe I've got a bad memory. But I wanted to ask, with all of the movement around uh, trials, which I don't want to get stuck right into because I don't want to upset you any further, but with all the movement around trials, have you adjusted, like how have you had to adjust your program or have you in any way, Did you have you, you know, stretched it out? Have you manipulated it a bit? What changes have you had to make? Uh, we've just sort of come back off, started putting a foot down a little bit and then it's been extended out to five weeks. So I've just kept that in mind um, and a couple of sets that we were going to start doing, I've, I'm just going to start doing them after New South Wales Open now. So, yeah, sort of just tried to extend extend out these last couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, a small adjustment. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, it's not easy, is it? And there's no sort of um, roadmap like, oh, this is what you do now, guys. It's kind of horses mm. for courses, I guess. And some people might not be adjusting. Some people might slightly adjust. Um, but, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I don't know if we actually touched on, you know, your program and what you were doing. I know we sort of discussed uh, the dates being moved in general. But, um, yeah, definitely, especially at your level and the open level for all the coaches out there, definitely food for thought there in terms of adjusting your programs. Um, now, mate, this week, I want to get stuck straight into it because we usually keep people waiting for about half an hour to get into the topic of conversation but this week i want to get stuck straight into it and it's all about the 2007 swimming world champs which were in melbourne uh, i can't believe it was actually 15 years ago um time's gone very very fast that was probably the the height of you know of my coaching or my swimming sort of fandom around that time uh, over that 10-year period so it doesn't feel like it was that long ago but it actually was 15 years ago and it actually came from rod laver arena um and it was in march i've got a couple of questions to ask you about this we're definitely going to get into the the meet itself and very dominated by america and australia in terms of the medal tally and certainly dominated by one man uh, who i'm sure i don't really you know need to give too much of an introduction to which is michael phelps who just dominated the week uh i feel sorry for ryan lochte i tell you what i was looking through the results and if there's not a michael phelps I reckon Ryan Lochte is the Michael Phelps of, of that time. But anyway, we'll get into that a little bit later. But first things first, mate, the Rod Laver Arena. Um, what, what was that like uh, as, a, as a venue and obviously a, a drop-in pool? I don't know if that's how they call it, but I'm just talking cricket terms here, like a drop-in pitch. What, what was it like uh, at Rod Laver Arena? Yeah, I mean, it was as far as a stadium, it was excellent, you know, certainly different. Um my only experience in a, with the drop-in pools prior to that was Barcelona, um, and that was in a basketball stadium, if I remember correctly, in 2003 and the same same stadium in 2013. Um, the it, it was interesting, like like I remember watching um, the replay of the footage of the women's hundred free, and uh, Jody was uncharacteristically slow in that second 50 and I remember seeing like there was just waves just hitting the, the swimmers in the outside lanes and I just thought you know that was quite strange um and and she was you know 
really slow coming home for, for Jade. And uh, and she'd had a pretty good uh, 2006. The trials were in Brisbane in, like, December, and she'd swum 53 up uh, 53 plus up there and the back end was under 28 uh like it had been for a few years but uh in, in the rod labor pool it was just un- uncharacteristically slow and there was this these sort of waves hitting and coming off the leader which i think would have been probably libby and uh, i think she won the worlds that year mm-hmm. britta stefan went in She'd just broken the world record, I think, in late 06. So she was going in as the favourite. Can't even remember where she came. Um, I know she didn't She didn't win it. but um, yeah, She got third, Britta. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, I thought it was a bit strange at the time. And then um, fast forward to 2013, and I don't know if you remember, but there was a real debacle with the, with the, um, those drop-in pools and you know i can't remember which side it was but you know if you're in lanes one and two you had a toe on the way out and then coming back you were going against the Mm. you know the the flow and lane seven and eight was the opposite you you went out slow but you came home really fast so it makes you sort of you know people were starting to talk about that in 2013 when we were seeing you know results and um and then you sort of think back and you think wow i mean how many times had that been happening prior yeah and we just weren't you know clued up on it so um yeah so, but apart from that you know the stadium was good the only thing it was, it was a it was a long walk that was the other thing that uh come to mind it was a long walk out to the warm up swim down pool with heaps of steps and uh what did i have i had like six on the team i think five five on the team and uh and i was just busy as you know and um i had two youngsters in my squad at the time belinda hocking and angie bainbridge Mm -hmm. who'd been in the squad for about a year and uh i i got them uh i think there might have been one other uh, as well, and and my manager at the AIS, uh, Rosemary Good, I got her to to take these youngsters, and we bought them tickets, uh, and and they watched the swimming for a couple of nights, um, and Blinda would have got to see you know a young Emily Seabom swim for Australia, um, and uh, and just try to plant that seed for those those two, um, and and you know twelve months later. Both those girls made their first Australian team, which was the Olympic team. Mm. Um, so yeah, so a, a busy meet. Um, it was a meet that, um, off the back of, uh, I thought, you know, if I was going to get as many of these, convert them to the Olympics in Beijing, that my my program was, I I too too many at that top end, and uh, I ended up splitting my group off the back of the world champs. And because uh, John Fowley was assisting me uh, that 06, 07 year, and um, we, we we split it into two groups, and and he he took a group uh, which Alicia Coots was in, Felicity Galvez, who I'd been coaching for three years, put her in that group, 
Angie Bainbridge, sort of the more uh, 200, 400 type athletes. Yep. Um, and uh, tried to get all of them on, on that Olympic team in, in 08. Mm. Mate, another thing that sort of springs to mind, and we'll get to more sort of, uh, you know, your athletes and, and your experience at the Games. I'm interested in terms of the trials and the lead-up and all that sort of stuff because it, it stands out to me already. World Champs in March, April, you said trials were in December. Is that normal practice? Was that different around this time of year? Has things changed come, like to now? Is it Was that normal back then? I'm not sure. Uh I'm just trying to think. I think when the Commonwealth Games were in Melbourne, I think we had it was only like five weeks in between, something like that. And I think the trials were very early 06. Games was uh, 06. And then for these trials, they were in Brisbane, very late 06, so December-like. Uh, and then we had a little bit of time. Uh, to get ready, was it March? Yeah, it says twenty fifth of March to the first yeah. of April. So, so, uh, and, and I remember ninety one worlds and ninety eight worlds were quite were probably around the similar sorts of times. You know, being Australian summer. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you know, if you look at the results, you know, Europe didn't go, you know, as good. Um, so probably the wrong time of year for Europe to be competing and also my own personal opinion, I, I don't think they they put enough thought into their travel when they travel east um, as a group. So they tend not to perform as well as I think they could. Mm. Um, but, yeah, definitely it's out of whack because normally a Worlds is, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere summer. So uh, having a World Championships in a Southern Hemisphere um puts majority of the world out of whack so yeah well look from a, a results point of view I'll, I'll i'll read this out to the to the listeners now from the from the medal tally i was telling you this just before we started unless you had an australian or u.s cap on your head uh you weren't getting anywhere near those uh those top sort of medals so the medal tally read usa 36 medals in total Australia, 21 medals in total. And in third place was France with six. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, that was crazy to me just having a look at that. Um, yeah, and, you know, France with six. And I think um, quite a few of those actually were uh, Laura Manadou. She got a couple there just of herself. So um, it, that was that stood out to me. I mean, it's sort of evened out a little bit more these days. I know we're sort of um, still, you know, those two uh, countries are still at the top, uh, no doubt. But um, the drop-off, I, I wouldn't think, is as, is as massive these days, that's for sure. Um, and the other thing, to just to note, just little sort of points as I was looking through there, mate, because you'll, you'll give your stories, uh, no doubt. World records. There were 13 world records swam this week. Uh, of which 11 of them were from the US team and of which six of them were involving Mr. Michael Phelps. So uh, definitely a, a US-dominated um, event here and especially for Michael Phelps and we all know what he goes on to do a year later in Beijing. So this was definitely setting the, setting the scene for what we're about to see. 
Um, in terms of, and I know you don't always uh, watch the the different races when you're there, mate, because you're in it. And as you said, you're backwards and forwards and up and down those stairs that you you still remember so fondly. Um, but you know, were you did you get a, a, to notice Michael in in any of those races? Did, was that sort of a current theme for the week? Did people talk about? Oh, shit, here we go again. He's he's on fire. Yeah. Um, the thing that I recall, and like I said, I was pretty busy um, with the five swimmers. I had the four by the four by one and the four by two women's freestyle relay teams. Um, it was his underwaters, like his underwater work. Uh, and, and since then, we've used that footage because it was quite good footage to get. But uh, and then everyone start, really started talking about the fifth stroke, and it, mm. it was it was basically him um, just dominating the underwater work and and the distance off the walls as well. You know, going the full fifteen, um, he was just doing stuff that other people, you know, had. He was ahead of, ahead of the game basically. So, mm. um, but th- but that was that was the big thing that I recall um, from him, apart from him dominating. Um, but it was the thing that a lot of people took away from that meet, I, I would have thought. Um, and apart from that, uh, yeah, it's um, as, as you said, Brian Lockie was playing second fiddle. Well, you've got a feel for him. I, I'll just read a couple of these results out. So Ryan Lochte, who's one of the greats in my mind in terms of um, world swimming, and as I said, I think if we don't have a, a Michael Phelps, we – we probably see Ryan Lochte at a, a different sort of level in terms of our mindset. But he, he got second in the 100 backstroke behind Aaron Pearsall, who's probably one of the best backstrokers we've ever seen yeah. as well. So there's no shame there. He won the 200 backstroke, though, and beat Aaron Pearsall. Um, and then in the individual medley, he got second behind Michael Phelps in both of those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know quite comfortably so and then he was how good were their relay teams in terms of having those guys being a part of them as well so um oh yeah i thought he had a phenomenal week just having a look at those results but definitely when you talk about phelps and i don't know if i've mentioned it on this podcast before and we'll get to it in a minute because it was this meet coming up jewel in the pool where i remember being in the stands watching the 200 backstroke and michael phelps was racing i'm pretty sure it was Pearsall. In the 200 backstroke, they went into the last turn. Pearsall was ahead. They came out off the last turn. Phelps was ahead. And he came up at the 15, as you said, which is not easy to do mm. in a 200 backstroke. Imagine the, you know, the wear and tear on the, on the legs. And he came out at the 15 and he ended up winning the 200 backstroke, which you know we, we're not going to read about here because he doesn't race it or he didn't race it internationally at that level. But Jewel in the Pool was all about the points and all that sort of stuff. And that cemented to me like there's nobody doing that mm. there was nobody and that's not even his pet event yeah yeah that's right um and and that and he beat the best swimmer in the world in the 200 backstroke <laughs> it was just and i remember watching it thinking you know that's something special i don't think you need to know it was michael phelps to know that was special all you had to do was watch and think god damn that's that's pretty to your point like no one was doing that and especially at that stage in the race yeah you know the last turn of a 200 backstroke to go 15 and not just a uh, you know a dugong 15 <laughs> it was yeah. it was powering it was like a plane taking off coming into that last 50. yeah yeah no i mean i, I think 
it's hard to say when his peak was, but it probably was his peak years, wasn't it? You know, um, 07, 08, 09. Um, yeah, 08, I remember, you know, he, he had a split in a relay that just was, I think it was the four by one. And it was just people didn't think he could swim that fast, you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, in 09, when they had the super suits, he didn't swim in the super suit because of sponsorship and stuff. And everyone was, you know, I think the, a lot of the Europeans were wearing two suits, two jacket suits, you know. He, he comes out in his Speedo and, and breaks 50 for the first time and, and beats um, is it the Slovakian in that famous finish where it looks like the Slovakian wins it, but he... Oh, Kavic. Kavic, yeah. Yeah. Um, and goes 49, breaks the world record and, and beats him in the old suit, you know. So there's this times throughout, dotted throughout Michael's career where he he goes to another another level, but there's something had to be a trigger. So he was either swimming for a team, the suit thing, um, the, uh, yeah, relay or, or drill in the pool, you know, where he, I think from that, you know, he probably, that underwater, he probably went past everyone underwater and that's how he won the race, you know. And he, you know, was doing it for America, so. Yeah. Oh, mate, you know, it was something to watch. And I, I look back and I'm, yeah, very thankful that I, I was there and I was able to watch that um, for sure. It was it was just something that I'll never forget. I tell kids about this now and, you know, people think I'm making stories up. It's it's like, you know, the older you get or the longer you've been retired, the better you get. People kind of think, oh, he's, make, he's building this story up. I can promise you, if you can find the footage, you can see it right on the 15 and he just takes off uh, and, and wins. Um, that's, that's the other thing, Robbie, like... Uh, I just, yeah, you know, probably getting off a little off track a little bit, but what what you're describing there and what I'm talking about is is um uh put context around the time and the event, isn't it? Mm. And you know, swimming just all they want is faster times all the time, and and they make rule changes to to get that result um but i mean we haven't even talked about his times the real times irrelevant mm. you know it, it's it's winning um or, or doing things you know yeah you know, we talk about things in relays we talk about you know uh, the points you know in that jewel of the pool and we were doing jewel in the pools we started them O three was the first one. O five off off Canada. We did one down in LA, and O seven. Um, but they're all things that uh, have nothing to do with time that we remember. And um, but unfortunately, swimming just keeps wanting more, faster and faster times all the time. I, I don't know why it, it's it's gone down that path. You know. Um, because it's great races that you remember. It's circumstances. It's someone lifting. It's you know, it's everything else. But yeah, well, and I think to your point, I mean, if we talk about that, you can look at say from our past uh, Olympics just gone, 
Uh, Adam Peaty going back to back. Now his hundred breaststroke wasn't as as good as he had done in the past, but he got the job done. And no one's sitting there going, "Oh, well, it wasn't a good time though, was it? Mm. It was slow." People are saying, "No, he went back to back, and now he's eyeing off Paris." Yeah. So yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there. We should be emphasising that more than than time. You know, we've we've got boxed in as a sport, and you know. It's probably a subject for another day, but um, yeah, you know, I certainly don't think it. We've needed to do it, and the sport could be sold much better in other ways. Um, so, well, I mean, even at an age group level and development level, that's all you ever hear, isn't it? Oh, listen, my yeah. son didn't do a PB today. He did a PB the other day, but he didn't do one today. So, can we, like, let's talk about it. What happened? What What are we not doing right? I mean, goddamn. And even to your point. You know, when you watch a rugby league game or a cricket game or, you know, any sport in the world, when you look at the results, it comes up as a W or an L. It doesn't yeah. come up. With, no one's go, oh, oh, that was a good score. I mean, yeah. sometimes you do. There's blowouts and there's big, you know, cricket and there's phenomenal sort of performances. But more often than not, when you look back, we either got a result or you didn't. Mm. Absolutely. And I remember um, Don Talbot told me a couple of stories about time and he offended Alex Bowman's coach um, because, and Don was up in Canada at the time, and he said, yeah, and Alex had the world record at 201 back in the early 80s, and he said, oh, that time will become irrelevant. Lots of, lots of people will beat that. John Shaw. I, I thought you were going to say Drew McGregor. I was going to say, oh, he's done it again. <laughs> um and he, he got all offended. But Don said to me early on in my career, you know, times are irrelevant. And he, he said, it's always a good thing to ask your athlete, would you rather win or do a PB? Yeah. And I've always done, trickled that along in my career, asking athletes that. And, and surprising, you'll get, yeah, and I've had swimmers on, on teams that have said to me, oh, I'd rather do a PB. Well, you know, you can do a PB anywhere. You can't win that race. You know, the Olympics is only every four years or the Commonwealth Games or whatever. PB is not going to, you know, you'd rather be on the dice or would you rather come forth and get a PB, you know? like So it's a good insight into the type of athlete that you're dealing with when you ask them that question and get that answer. Mm. Well, I think even to your point, uh, and I always just try and reflect these to my own sort of experiences, going back to state that we've just had uh, my 14-year-old girl, Florence, went 210 in the 200, which was a big PB for her. She'd done a really good job, but she was still quite shitty that she she didn't get up on the podium. She just said, oh, I really wanted a medal. I wanted that. So did you just do a massive PB? You know, we've got to put the positive spin on it, you know. But she said, yeah, I know, but... I, you know, I felt like I really wanted that. So, yeah, you I think it's... got a racer there, haven't you? Yeah, got yeah, a, yeah. A competitive racer who who would rather have got the medal than the PB. Yeah. And, and when, really, that's what you want. Yeah, and it presents its own challenges, no doubt, as a coach, just trying to navigate that because you want to foster it. You don't want to, uh, you know push it out of her but at the same time you don't want to come back crying every time she didn't get a medal you've got to sort of learn to deal with that as well but absolutely I, I couldn't agree with you more um you mentioned just before uh you were in charge of relays at this at this meet how, how did you see that you relays um 
Yeah, well, the the four by one girls, uh, they won gold, I think. They did. They did. I can even tell you the team. So Libby, uh, Libby Trickett or Lenton at this stage uh, led off. Uh, Mel Schlanger was uh, second. Shane Reese third, and Jodes anchored them home. Yeah. So, um, so they, well, they, they won it. They got second in 03. Uh, they won it in 04. Uh, in 04. They won 05. They won 07. And then Joe, you know, Joe had retired, well, I think, from memory, January or February in 08. Um, and they ended up with the bronze um, up in Beijing. Mm. So, um, yeah, so I think from a world's, um, point of view, that was a good result in the four by one. The, the result that wasn't great um, was the four by two, and we just didn't have any standouts. You know, the two girls who swam in the individual, um, they had, they didn't swim that well, um, and, and we just had a lot of one fifty eight, one fifty nine type girls, um, and uh, I don't even think they medaled. I think they ran. Midfield, no, they, they didn't. Yeah, so um, and I ended up. I, I don't even think I didn't swim the two fastest girls because of their performances individual, and you know they finished fourth. Sorry, mate. Fourth. So I'll give you the I'll give you the quick rundown. So Libby uh, led off. Jody was in there. Lara Davenport is yeah. a name I haven't heard for a while. Lara Davenport and Stephanie Rice. Yeah. And I think Linda and um, the Bronte Barrett might have been swimming the individual, and so it was a little bit of you know, it was a little bit left field uh, in picking that that team, um, but I think it probably helped those two girls the following year because they made sure they were in the mix um, for the, for that following year, mm. and uh, that's when I picked a, a full heat team and a full final team. Um, because we were fourth at Worlds, we were trying trying to get a medal. Um, I think we were going in ranked, you know, fourth and fourth or fifth in the world. So um, it wasn't a great uh, relay result for Australia, um, but I think it helped the following year, you yeah. know, in, in Beijing. Uh, and then the medley relay, they, the girls would have won that um, because you know I think Lisa was on fire in 07. Um, she smashed the breaststrokes. They actually swam a world record. So the mm. one world record that we did get for Australia out of that week was the four by one. Uh, MC Bomb, a very young MC Bomb, um, led off. Yeah, Liesl, as you said, Jess Shipper, what a legend there, and uh, and Libby uh, yeah. brought him home in the freestyle. Because I think we almost had two teams for that because I had um, Jody, Felicity, and. Um, Tani in that heat team for that medley relay. Mm. Um, they all came back with a heat heat medal. So, and that team itself would have nearly won won worlds. So at that point, um, Australia was just that, that medley relay was probably our strongest event. Mm. It's interesting to note fifth were Great Britain, and I noticed uh, uh, Mel Marshall was swimming in in that event. So people will know Mel Marshall these days as the super coach of Mr. Adam Peaty, but um, a, a very good swimmer in her own right. Um, you know, swimming there at World Champs. I mean, it brings me to a question that you know I didn't have down, but since we're having a chat, I'm going to throw it out there. 
um, you know, you're known for, you know, having good understanding and thought process around relays. Um, we, we, you know, hark back to last year. Um, this is no disrespect to the four by two, but, uh, you know, there's word out there that, you know, things weren't maybe done the right way or who knows what's right or wrong, but <laughs> you don't know till you're there and you're doing it right. Like it could have looked like a genius, um, you know, whoever put that team together, but you know, that was the, the swim that shouldn't have been lost the race that shouldn't have been lost, but, you know, talking about their different, uh, ways of going about it, different ways to approach it. Do you have different strategies and the way you go about it is is there more to you know putting together a good relay than people think uh yeah definitely um i actually don't think this is just my experience that there's that many coaches that can put aside their relationship with their own athlete and just uh park that job and pick up another hat and just do the job for the relay. And I think, and the other thing is in my experience over years, having coaches come to me and say, oh, such and such did such a time. And, and you know, let's just say from memory, um, it was leading into Athens and uh, someone swam 55.5. And they thought, oh, that'll be, you know, they'd come to the coach would be, you know, plug in there at swimmer, that'll be good for the relay team. And in my head, I'm nodding to them, and in my head, I'm shaking my head, going, I hope she's not in that team because we're trying to win the damn thing. Mm. This isn't a participation event, you know. Yeah. So I think one of the, the the clear things that I always do is what is the goal of the relay? And then I'll work back from that. Is the goal to, to win the bronze medal because you play, rank sixth in the world or is the goal to win the race because you think you've got the cattle to do that. Um, the goal isn't for someone's swimmer, whether it be um, your own or an another coach, it is to, for their athlete to participate in it, you know, if that's not in the best interest of the result. Mm. And I think that's where people get really uh, confused, let's say, let's use that word. Um, you know, the goal isn't for your own athlete to lead off and have a, another second crack at the world record. And I've had coaches come to me and that and, and they're out and out said that's what they want. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought, yeah, selfish, you know, yeah. like there's a saying, there's no I in team, you know. Mm. So that Certainly all... at this level anyway, like yeah. we, we're not talking about, uh, you know, a, a district level or a club level here. This is this is world champs or Olympic games you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And so I've seen a lot over the years, um, uh, swimmers, uh, can be just as bad as coaches, you know. Um, you know, so I'm not going to get into too many stories, <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the good a good relay coach is few and far between. Mm. Uh, let's just say that. <laughs> well, I can imagine the four by one and the four by two freestyle would be the most difficult to put together because I'm imagining the four the medley relay is. <laughs> pretty simple right like your fastest backstroker your fastest breaststroker 
Yeah, I know we've got other stories sometimes too. Uh, Everyone uh, says the medley relay is easy. <laughs> well, not the, especially the mixed relay these days is, is throws a, a spanner in the works to that. But, I mean, I'm just looking at the four-by-one relay here. I mean, you've Libby's leading, um, and, you know, she had pretty good skills, didn't she? So I think that yeah. definitely makes – she was also on fire at this meet, so that makes sense. Um, it's not like you've – you know, you, you were coaching Jody, so it's not like, oh, we put Jody up front. So you've, you've definitely looked at the way you've done it there. Um, yeah, like how difficult is it behind the scenes? Give us a sneak peek. You don't have to mention, you know, names or give us stories, but behind the curtains, is it as easy as, oh, these, this is my team and away we go, or is there a bit of toing and froing? It's never easy. Um, and, you know, I, I always took it very serious. You know, I, I, I wore it as a, as a uh, badge of honour, you know, so I wasn't going to let let the country down um and um and i i actually love the difficult ones mm. so you know and then i love the strategy behind behind it and and ra- race order has everything to do with it I, I could absolutely without question say now that the order that we did in in london in 2012 if we hadn't have raced that order they wouldn't have won that event. Um, and the reason for that, I put Alicia Coots first. Because we've been doing relay camps and we've done a lot of work on changeovers, We, I knew that Alicia was by far the worst changeover. And when we looked at all our stats, she, she just didn't give you enough. She gave you a tenth or two. Mm. Um, and... I lent on on Alicia, and you could do the yeah. You know, she she really stand up and lift. And I said, she had a phenomenal uh, Olympics. Led off, yes, that's right. And um, she led off. She hadn't been. She didn't make the team in under fifty four, but she'd been under fifty four the year before. And I just said to her that we we needed everything that she had. And, and without saying you've got to swim a 53, you know, um, but I, I knew if she could swim under 53, uh, under 54, then, and the rest of the team fired, um, we were a chance uh, at beating the Netherlands. And, uh, and that's what she did. She went up, let out, went under the time. And, and so on world rankings, you know, she probably went in with a, a 54-4 and the rest of the world's looking at us, who we've got, thinking mm. that. They can, they can change their order a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they'll put Alicia Coots in the middle somewhere and, and she'll give them a 53.9. But, no, we led off with a 53.8 or a 53.9 and then everyone else was 53.5 or better and, uh, and, and we were away. And the leadoff girl for the, for the Dutch had a shocker. Um, so that played into her hand a little bit. But the order of the, you know, we gave ourselves every chance to win that and result, and, and on paper we shouldn't have. We, we were clearly uh, not as good on paper as, as the Dutch. So order has a lot to do with it. You've got people who can lift. You need to know that and you need to know your opposition because, you know, if I had Jody um, in it, yeah, putting her in the middle, the pressure isn't as much, and I know that she could 
rise to the occasion and and give something that that um, bit like what we were talking about with Michael Phelps. Mm. So um, the uh, and then there's other athletes that, that can't do that, you know. So you know, I remember one of the best relay swimmers, um, Sarah Ryan, was a fantastic relay swimmer, um, and the, the, you know Neil Brooks going right back was the same. He was a 51 swimmer who could swim 49 in a relay. Mm. Well, that on paper, those types of people are never going to look good if you're just going to do a paper thing. You have to realise who these people are and what they can do and maybe that they just can't quite get it out of themselves on a stand-up race but put them in a team and they lift. Then there's other swimmers that whatever they do in a race, that's all they'll give you in, in, a, in a relay. Mm. So so that's where it gets tricky when it comes down to, oh, you just pick the f- fastest four. If you've got two breaststrokers and there's a tenth between them, but you know the the male or the female who's one-tenth slower can can give you six or seven tenths in a relay. Yeah. Well, there you, there's your headache. <laughs> so. Matt, that- a quick question. Um I say it like it's, you know, we're on a call. We're doing a podcast. Of course, I'm going to ask you questions. Anyway, this is just myself. <laughs> Pick up myself saying stupid stuff. Should there be, could there be, is there a place to be? Now, I'm only talking at a high performance level, no doubt. You know, I don't think there's enough money to go around to be having this specific coach at a club level. But could there be a, a relay coach picked for team, someone independent, someone who looks at things from a, uh, you know, different color glasses, obviously, without having, you know, an athlete on the team or whatever it might be. I mean, that's excluding, obviously, yourself. Maybe you might, you've you got a swimmer on the team. Obviously, you're still good enough to have a look at it and be uh, indifferent to it. But is that somewhere we could be looking into the future in, in teams? I mean, maybe some countries already have this. I don't know, but I'm just chucking it out there. Yeah, I, I think definitely. Um Think, um, I'm not sure about how the American guys do it, but they've always got two coaches on a team that haven't necessarily got a swimmer on the team. So whether they use them in that um, capacity, I'm not sure. I know it's been talked about in Australia over a few years, not just recently, but going back 10 years, you know, because, because of the innate problems of, of, you know, of relays and stuff and, People get irate, yeah, <laughs> uh, and then you know they take it personally, and they, really they shouldn't, you know. Um, but anyway, people do. So, um, so I think yeah, it probably comes down to needs of the team, funding, uh, size allocation, you know, because you go to Olympic Games, you only get so many spots. Can you afford for that a spot like that to exist? So, mm. mate, we haven't really touched on your, your own sort of coaching and team at, at this games. What what's your experience with the team in two thousand and seven? What what were your athletes in terms of uh, results? How do how do you look back on it? With some ups, some downs. Yeah, like oh, I mean, on paper, my guys came away um, with like five five gold medals, um, but you know, four of them were from heats of relays um i had four individual finals uh and two ninths so 
Um, uh, so I was a little bit, a little bit frustrated, to be honest. Um, and and that's where I, you know, I sort of came away thinking, you know, I don't want another meet like this. Uh, Alice Mills didn't make that team um, at the trials in the fifty-three. Jody got second in twenty-five oh one, and Alice got third in twenty-five oh two. So had that been point oh one the other way. Um, I would have had another person on the team. So I just felt like I was a bit of a traffic cop and um, I didn't want that to happen at the Olympics. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I was trying to set up for the best Beijing that we could possibly have and that meant getting people on on the team. And, um, you know, at that stage, Jody was the, the defending Olympic champion. So in 07, I was thinking, right, what, what do I need? for her to have the best opportunity um, and also people are making that Olympic team. So that's why I split the group um, and, and you know, John Fowley was more than capable of, of taking that on and uh, he did a great job and, and had two girls on that team. Um, and Alicia Coots had started working with him then. So, you know, that was, you know, they had a great five, six years together. So, um uh, so yeah so um would you say I, I this always, is somewhat of a transitional year for you in terms of say those those swimmers like jody like alice who had got you to the dance or you'd worked with and been with to mm. the dance years earlier are starting to sort of look at where they're heading next and not so much in swimming terms and you've got these younger ones coming through yeah certainly it was probably a um a, a pivotal point in, in career-wise. Obviously, Jody ends up, um, you know, less than a year later, um, decides to stop. Um, she'd returned to Brisbane. Um, and But, you know, also I think it was a good call, um, you know, because I was the AIS head coach. I had my own group. Um, I had a lot on my plate. And, you know, when you looked at, um, you know, breaking up that group because I always say you've you know you've only got two eyes and two hours and you know your last name's not Superman. Um <laughs> so you know when you looked at John put the two athletes that were capable of making it um on, on that team. Um Tani White took off, you know, um she was a 107 swimmer at those worlds well the following year she was a 106 swimmer and number two. So, you know, and I'd coached her for a while. So, um, you know, she had a, a big improvement rate at, because my group was, you know, smaller at that top level. Uh, and I managed, you know, to bring Belinda Hocking through and, you know, as a 17-year-old, she makes her first Olympic team. So, um, so I think it's something that we've got to keep in mind, all of us as coaches, is our time management and have we got enough time for the people that are in front of us and um, how do we best best utilise the people who are around us as well, you know? Mm. So, 
Yeah, it's it's different. It's definitely uh, a conversation to have at every level. It it gets harder at an age group level, though, doesn't it? Too sometimes because you you know you've you sort of got to shoulder those responsibilities at times. But certainly at that elite level, uh, it makes a big difference. Now I know we're a little bit more time poor, which is a rarity for us because people know we can we can do three hour marathons, but we're a little bit more time poor today. I, I definitely want to make sure I touch on this because it is it's news and notes from this meet that um, Tunisian Osama uh, Malali, uh, Maluli, 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 Maluli. Uh, was was done for for doping not long after the September this after this. So he he had actually won the eight hundred. He got second in the four hundred. I think he was finaled in the four hundred IM as well. Um, but come September that year, he was actually um, you know, cited, done for, for anti-doping, and those things were removed. He's now taken off the, the list altogether, so he doesn't actually figure. So when you do do Wikipedia and have a look at these, he's, he's no longer on there. Um, my question isn't to go into, into that, mate, because I don't want to get you into any trouble. But in terms of coaching at that elite level, I mean, there's got to be things going on constantly. Everyone's looking for that little one percent. As everyone's, I mean, we talk about FMO, we talk about lots of different things. Does that play a part in your mindset as a coach, or do you have to just block it out and say, "Look, I have heard these things, but I mean, we've just got to do what we can do." Yeah, but basically, that's what you do. Um, you do anything else, and and you just get frustrated, and that you're not going to coach well if you if you're you know, frustrated and stuff like that. I, I can remember having that, that, this sort of conversation with Jody um, well before, you know, 03 or 04 mm. um, and just sort of saying, you know, we don't know for sure. There's no point speculating. There's no point getting wrapped up in, in conversation and all we can do is put our best foot forward. So... You know, and after that, having that conversation, I think, is good. Um, you sort of air a lot of chat, but then you just, you, you, you can both move forward. And I think that's the best way to do it. Because at the end of the day, you're a team. You're both trying, you're trying to help the athlete. The athlete wants to work well with the um, coach and together you, you need to be doing that in a, in a positive way. So, um uh, yeah, it it certainly can get inside pe- swimmers' heads and coaches' heads, and and that to be you know detrimental to performance. Yeah, well, I just wanted to mention it as I said, not to bring up any bad sort of <laughs> news for, for the Tunisians. I don't know if we've got a big following over there in Tunisia in terms of the, for the podcast, but he won was just- no wait, didn't he? Yeah, well, he won the Olympics in 08 because he was he was then able to come back, which, I mean, then throws lots of questions out there and, mm. and you know, how long does um, things linger for and what effects do things have uh, long-term and ongoing? And I'm sure there's sports scientists and stuff that can uh, better have those conversations. But I just thought it was interesting to bring up with yourself because I know for, for me and obviously coaches at my level probably don't have those conversations, but certainly at the level you're at, that is a conversation that would be had. So I certainly wanted to make sure we you know, we touched on it. And it was news and notes from from this meet. It was pretty big. And as I said, 2008, he wins uh, in Beijing, beats Grant. So when you look back, I mean, 
obviously tested negative at that time. And I'm sure, listen, yeah, I can assure you he was probably chased and tested about a thousand times at, at those games following this. So, um, but it worked out. I think uh, Craig Stevens ended up bumping up the, the medal ranks in 07 here as well because of this. So don't know well, if he's still- He broke 15 minutes for the first time at that meet, I think. Yeah, he did. And well, he got the, the medal was for the 800. He, he went 748. Um, so good friend of the podcast, Mr. Craig Stevens. Um, don't know if he's actually got that medal, though. I think that might be a, a gripe. So he might have moved up in terms of uh, on this sheet of paper I'm looking at, but I don't know if he's actually been awarded it. So that might be something for people to have a look at I'll, I'll get on the case craig don't you worry um <laughs> mate we're, we're gonna have to wrap it up today because we've got uh, other things to to crack on and move on with but um looking back at 2007 obviously you know a bit of success here but I, i'm sensing the theme here is that this is somewhat of a transitional period for you as a coach and you're starting to not say see the writing on the wall but you've already started to plant the seeds with the youngsters coming through that Okay, well, in 2008 and beyond, this is where we're heading. Yeah, no, definitely that was the case. Um, and it's one of the things that you've always got in the back of your mind when you're in a, uh, a program like an AIS program or a, uh, what do they call them now, uh, hub programs and mm. things. You know, where, where are your next athletes coming from? Um, so it was always something, you know, part of a big part of the job, um, in, when I when I was AIS uh, head coach was you know our next crop of athletes post the whatever the Olympics we were preparing for so um, and uh, Belinda and and Angie amongst others certainly you know were two very good athletes who went on to multiple Olympics. So. I think it's interesting, isn't it, though, just having a look at those results, not so much just for your own program, but if you look at Emily Seabom coming through, Kate Campbell, Stephanie Rice, we didn't really touch much on her on this episode, but she she jagged, a few, I think, a few bronze medals in the IMs. We know what she's going on to do in 2008. So it's a bit of a transitional period for swimming here in Australia in general, especially from the women's point of view. Yeah, well, Katie Hoff was the big name of 07. And then she had a she had a bad oh eight, um, which played into the hands of of Steph, mm. um, and you know Steph was on fire in oh eight. So um, Katie Hoff, Kirsty Coventry was was pretty good for yeah. the IM swimmers around that time. Yeah, Kirsty with in backstroke. Uh, Margaret Holtz, I think, won the two hundred back, and it was a pretty ding dong battle with with Coventry. She did. She did. Well done there. Hey. <laughs> you go. I, I have to Wikipedia this stuff. You just got off the top of your head. I'm impressed. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, for all the listeners out there, thank you for joining us again. As I said, we, um, you know, we are changing it up a bit this year and we're going to do some different strokes and interviews, but we do want to still hark back to those sort of, um, you know, different events and different times um, because, you know, maybe like us, you guys are nostalgic as well and you do like to look back. This certainly was an event uh, that was, you know, very successful from an Australian point of view. I know 2001 we beat America, but still anytime you're clear and far away, you know, one of the two best teams has got to be looked at as a pretty successful uh, meet uh, for sure. So, you know, success, we know actually we didn't touch on it and I'm not going to go into it because we we don't have the time, but I mentioned it, Julian, the pool was only two days later. You know, that was again, the height of like the stands were packed 
when I was in there. It was like going to a footy game. Like there was just people everywhere, which was was phenomenal to see. And I think we do need to start to look at ways to to make that happen again, not just because the stands are packed because someone's mum and grandma are there, that people are going to watch superstar athletes in, in full flight. Um, and I think we've got the names and the people around in the team now. Um, we've just got to do a better job of going about marketing it and, and getting it out there for everyone. That's just my two cents. But, mate, um, thank you for joining us again and giving some time. And uh, next week we might have an interview. Um, I'm not sure. We've got a couple of interviews lining up. We just haven't uh, <laughs> ironed out the creases yet, so can't tell you. But, yeah, we're definitely – we mentioned 2002 Manchester. We want to talk about that. We do want to do 2001 at some stage and have a look at, at that phenomenal world champs and the success we had there. Mel Marshall was on that 02 team. It was the first time I saw her, I remember. 2002 Manchester, Mel Marshall was on that. So. Yeah, she was a good swimmer, and I, I think it, it does get lost because of the success she's having with, with Adam, and not just Adam now, obviously Luke Greenbank and Anna Hopkins. She had a, a phenomenal um, Tokyo Olympics from a coaching perspective. So, um, But, yeah, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that in terms of the results because, as I said, yeah, people – tend to flick past at her as a, an athlete, but she was she was a good one, that's for sure. But, mate, until next week, and for all the listeners out there, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Have a great weekend. You too, Robbie. Thanks, everyone.